dear chief, much has happened since we last spoke. Welcome to Dear Chief Podcast, where your hosts and their guests share the 411 of being married to the people who respond to 911s. Take a peek into fire family life and get unabashed advice on how to prevent forest fires in your marriage. Now, here's your hosts, two seasoned firewives, Audra and Chelsea. That was new. <laughs> What the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, Zoom has done this new update where they let everyone know that you're recording. Oh, for the love. Oh my gosh, that just scared me to death. Okay. <laughs> what is happening? My computer's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Welcome back. We are so excited to have Rochelle Semlock with us today to talk about how to help our children thrive during fire season and generally building resilient kiddos in emergency responder families. Welcome, Rochelle, how are you? Hi, good, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Thanks for joining us, Rochelle. I'm gonna do a brief introduction. Um, Rochelle Zemlock is a licensed child and family psychologist in California and specializes in supporting and educating first responder families in private practice. As a fire spouse and law enforcement sister, she knows what type of impact the career can have and helps provide first responder families with information that will help keep them resilient to those impacts. She's the author of the Firefighter Family Academy, a guide to educate and prepare spouses for the career ahead. Dr. Zemlock also has a podcast, Code 3 Families, and a blog on her website geared towards supporting and educating first responder spouses. Just a little bit of stuff, huh? Yeah. Got lots of stuff going on. Yeah, just a small bit. And and a firefighter hubby and two babies, huh? Yes, two babies. It's like life is insane right now. I've got well, a three and a half year old, uh, challenging toddler years, and then a five month old now. She just turned five months. Oh my goodness. All the things. So much stuff. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right. We're gonna dive in. Um Big question. What made you decide to gear your practice toward first responders? Uh, You know, so my practice is really towards first responder families. And I make that distinction because I am a family member. I have been for a very long time. Like you said in the intro, I'm a law enforcement sister. So uh, I've had two brothers in law enforcement and a sister-in-law who've all been associated with law enforcement that started when I was in high school. So, uh, you know, I kind of grew up a little bit more being around law enforcement and then, you know, didn't meet my husband until end of grad school. So, um, you know, in grad school, I have to do a dissertation, you know, my own original research. And I decided then, you know, I wanted to do something to contribute to the law enforcement field, help out in some way. I saw my, uh, you know, brothers kind of go through some changes just personality wise after being in the career and was curious about that. I spoke to a sergeant about like how I could help. And he basically directed me towards families. He said, we don't do enough for our families. We don't know enough about 
how to help them. And so I was like, got it, I'm going there. And then I did research and it got me really interested. So my dissertation is the impacts of police work on law enforcement families. And that there's a ton of overlap between law enforcement and fire, as we know. And, um, you know, after all that, I ended up falling in love and marrying a firefighter. And so I went into that marriage with all this like research and knowledge and education and experience. And so I was like, we're going to be a resilient marriage. We're going to be preventative. We're going to build this, you know, like family structure before we actually have a family. And then I always, that kind of started my passion. I was like, I'm going to speak to families one day, you know, or I'm going to speak to spouses as a spouse it occurred to me that I had all this information and a couple years in none of the other spouses around me knew nearly as much or even a little bit about what I did. And that really stood out to me that like the department never talked to me. No one reached out to me. No one told me this stuff that I know about all the ways that this impacts, you know, the family and nobody talked to me about it. How am I supposed to make it through this, you know, I'm reinventing the wheel. So that's what inspired me to write my book where I was like, this is like the guide that I wished was handed to me. Uh, you know, just somebody saying, Hey, here's what's coming and to look forward to, or to prepare for, or the conversations to have. And that's where my inspiration comes from. That sounds, like, I, a, that sounds like a very familiar story, doesn't it? Seriously. Yeah. And I, I really wish that this book was handed to every single new family that was hired by every single department in this state, in this country. Yeah. It's just, I have it. Um, I, I keep it on my nightstand. Um, and I mean, I didn't get it until I think last year when we met, maybe it was that two years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Gosh, <laughs> a year of pandemic in there. <laughs> I know it like, doesn't count honestly, Yeah, but, um, it would have been extremely helpful to me had I gotten a hold of this book, you know, yeah. 13 years ago when my husband started on the department rather than two years ago when yeah. he's already set in his ways and our family's kind of set in our ways. And yeah. And no one really <laughs> talks to, and that's why I say families because my blog, my videos, my everything that I do, I, I'm speaking to the spouses and it's because nobody my experience is that nobody talks to us. So it's like, I'm talking to the spouses. I'm talking to them when I'm talking about research or how to prepare your family or what's going on. It's like, I'm trying to talk to the spouses because it's like no one from that like realm, the department ever really talks to me directly. And so that's, you know, my hope is that I want to speak to them so that they're educated and know what's going on. Cause there's a lot going on. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I think Chelsea and I, frequently talk about this, huh, Chelsea? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. There's a lot going on and nobody's talking to anybody. And it's a, a bit, it's like, it's a big secret. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand why. Um, and I think it's getting better, at least in my experience um, with my husband's department, it's, it's gotten a lot better. And um, I think that's partly mm -hmm. to the credit of you, Rochelle. Um, <laughs> honestly um and some other wonderful amazing people that I'm friends with in the department but yeah. also like I kind of sometimes feel like too little too late for some of us um you know we yeah. are set in our ways now we do have our own routines we don't yeah. we're probably not going to 
when we have a 17 year old son start implementing a lot of the things that you talk about in your book or even on your podcast, just because yeah. like he's 17 um, <laughs> and he's been through this now for 17 years. Yep. Um, and so I'm elated that it's happening. Um, but I feel like we missed, we missed out mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's just me speaking my truth. And that's not to anybody's like, not to say that anybody's doing anything wrong yeah. or did anything wrong in the past. But for me, it's kind of like, well, here we are, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, but with that said, as you know, California's fire season is heating up. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our husbands are probably spending an incredible time away from the home during the summer and our kids miss them dearly. Mm-hmm. Um, Audra and I, as we've said, have developed routines and schedules to help our kids thrive while their other parent is out. Um, but our listeners are always asking for pointers and we both kind of agreed who better to give them than you. So with that, with that introduction, um, can you tell us your best advice and give us maybe like a top five, um, approach to, to helping them thrive during fire season? Yeah. So, you know, when we, I like, I have this dream that (laughs) we're going to like prepare for things. And maybe this conversation will happen with families on how to prepare for it one day. Uh, So that's what I'm, you know, trying to do now. You know, when May rolls around, I try to talk to fire families about it to try and help them think about it. But I really want, because in California, especially like we know like it's coming, you know, there's this season that we can kind of predict. And if we can predict, then we can prepare for it in ways. So when it comes to like kids and development, right, all the research is going to talk about like structure and routine and consistency. And as a fire family, you're going, okay, like, how do I, (laughs) how do I provide those things for them? Because our schedule does not allow for that. Like we're on a rotating schedule. Uh, Every week looks different. Every bedtime, you know, throughout the week looks different based on which parent is home Mm -hmm. on top of that. I'm a working spouse. So like, it really is different. It's like when he's home, then I can work and we kind of flip flop. So it's really hard to think about like how the research talks about a general family, but and did you have something? I heard you like respond to that. I know both no, of I you just, have uh-huh. kids. Yeah, it's like, we're like I'm sure. Okay, for those of you that can't obviously see us, we all have our video off right now because <laughs> yeah. our internet is crap today. Um, and but if you could see us right now, I'm sure if I could see Audra, her head is bobbing just like yeah. mine up and down. Yes mm-hmm. to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're gonna have to jump in because I can't read your social cues. So just jump in and so that because I want this to be a conversation for sure because you both have families and you're beyond where my family is, right? Yeah. So, um, but but to create, how do we give our fire kids? some of that consistency structure routine when it comes to fire season, like I want it to be a very like intentional preparation or process, right. To like actually say here it comes, right. Not like, cause an, a common experience I think is that we know it's coming. It's in the back of our head. Maybe we've said something to each other like, Oh, here it comes. And then that first call out goes and you're, it's, it's a little bit of a scramble, like who do I need to, what do I need to cancel? What do I need to put in place? Like, you know, you're just kind of like scrambling a little bit and versus that experience. Like I'd rather like in May, maybe before a lot of the fires are hitting, like have a family discussion around, um, 
okay, it's coming. So, so let's think through like what fire season looks like. This helps our kids feel a little bit more power over it. Right. Versus like it's here, I'm in it. I'm, I'm kind of swimming in it. It's like this preemptive. Oh, right. Okay. That's coming. And of course a 17 year old probably already there, but, but I talked to a lot of young families, right. And there's right. three, three-year-olds and five-year-olds. And it's like, that's not on their mind. They're thinking about summer or school's going to be out with elementary school kids. So Audra, remind me how young is your youngest one? 11. Yeah. So like we're, we're in preteen teenager years yeah, now. Yeah. So like my kids literally came to me at the end of April and they're like fire seasons here. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what just happened <laughs> and they're like mom we need to sit down and have a talk about fire season. like we need to sit down and talk to you about you <laughs> no literally that's my kids too they're like okay mom how are you gonna handle it this time I'm like what like mm. and my the kids are funny because they, they will put me on blast now they know okay mom is getting anxious like yeah we just talked about this last night we had a little heart to heart with the youngest. And mm. she was like, mom, why didn't you say anything? Like, why don't you say anything to us? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, it's not really your burden. It's not a burden, mom. You say that all the time. I'm like, oh gosh, please don't throw that <laughs> stuff in my face. Like, <laughs> but it's true. Things. It's true. <laughs> That's amazing. See? And it's, it's good. I think because if Honestly, i never even would have thought to sit down with them and go, okay, here's what's happening. But the last couple of years, as I've become way more aware of the fire situation mm-hmm. and, you know, my husband doesn't go out on too many strike teams in the last two years, he didn't at all because he was on uh, desk duty, but the, the kids crack up now because they will tell us and I think probably, well, Chelsea doesn't really get this luxury, but they'll tell us like, okay, dad, you're allowed to go on two strike teams, <laughs> What's you know, okay? and then we'll, we'll see if, you know, how we feel about anymore. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I love that. Yeah, and then my kids are like, you can take all your vacation during summer and none during the winter. Yep. <laughs> And you're allowed to teach one class, not five. (laughs) See, they're already setting the standard. And these are the conversations that need to be happening with fire. It's like, everyone's on the same page. That's Mm -hmm. the important piece is that we're like having an actual conversation to get everyone on the same page. And, you know, for younger kids, it's kind of helping them expect what's coming, but then also giving them a chance to voice what's going on for them. So it's like, Audrey, with your parents or with your uh, kids, it's almost like they're letting the parents voice what's going on for them. Right. You, You they're going, okay, mom, how are you, how are you feeling about this? Well, everyone needs to voice it. Right. So checking in with younger kids and going like it's coming and kind of allowing them, like if those fears come up or whatever feelings come up, maybe it's excitement, maybe it's anger. I don't know, but it's allowing it to start coming up beforehand. And sometimes parents will try to avoid that because they're like, oh gosh, I don't want to bring it up before it has to. But what I'm saying is like, that is what helps your kids have kind of structure and power and feel empowered and in control. It's because when it comes, then it's not a surprise. It's not getting them out of nowhere. It's like, I've already knew this was coming and I've already been talking about it for weeks now. Here it is like expected. Right. And so it kind of gives them that sense of control. So in that conversation, allowing them to voice their feelings, 
don't fix it for them. That's a common thing that parents want to do. Like when they're going, Oh, I, I worry a lot about it. The first thing you want to do as a parent is say, Oh, you don't have to worry. Like they're going to be safe. You know, it's like, you know, you want to allow them that space to explore those mm-hmm. feelings first and then think, say, like, yeah. Audra and I are like, yeah, we worry too. Right? <laughs> yeah. And that's what, that's about, great. Like it's, it's normal. Yeah. It's, it's a normal yeah. experience to an abnormal situation. <laughs> So you just kind of allow those feelings. And then we, you know, my, my tips are really to start to give them what we can do when those feelings start to get really big in the middle of the season. So if you have a kid that's more kind of, you know, an anxious kid or, or more like, you know, they act out behaviorally when time goes on too long, like, so you start to kind of predict those things and you're preparing for them ahead of time so that when the time hits, you already have coping skills in place, right? So you have this conversation with kids and say, oh yeah, I know you're really worried. Yeah. I worry too. Like, what is it that you worry about? You know, try to kind of allow them to process it. And then you go, okay, so what are some things let's make a list. What are some things you can do? If you're feeling really worried, you know, when daddy's gone or mommy's gone, you know, what are, and, and make actual list, or if they're too young, you know, draw some pictures around what we can do, because in that moment, you want to be able to refer back to, remember, we talked about this. Hey, let's look at that list. And with teenagers, the conversation may sound differently, but if they have a hard time coping and maybe yours don't, but some kids do, like you can have them journal on it or draw some or write something out. So part of it is like getting them to think through how they're going to cope with whatever feelings come up for them. So it's one reflecting on the feelings two making a list on like how, like what they can do in that moment so that you all have the tools. So instead of, cause this is what commonly happens with parents. Why don't you listen to some music or like, why don't you go ride your skateboard? And it's like, no, 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 <laughs> you know, but, but if you make that plan with them ahead of time, then it's like, Oh, remember your plan. You know, let's go like check or look at what it is you thought maybe you could do. Okay. Why don't you go pick one of those things on there and we'll see where we're at then, you know, for younger kids, sometimes it comes up at nighttime, right? Like, um, always at night mm-hmm. still with mine mm-hmm. still. Okay. So, um, your kids are older, but with nighttime, my, you know, my tip around that is like, we all have technology. We're using it now more than ever. Like in this situation, we can use it to our advantage. Right. So I, ask parents to think through some normal routines that happen in your family that bring your kids a sense of comfort, right? Sometimes people have bedtime routines. They sing a, like a very specific song or they, you know, they do a book and go and put them to bed or like you all hang out and have a conversation or I don't know, like whatever a routine may be for younger kids when they're uh, transitioning into bedtime. If you know, that's going to be a hard time for them. I would before, you know, dad, mom gets sent out, start recording some things, right? Like for my kid, we read it, we read a story time. I could have dad record reading a favorite story that we could read along with him. Cause we don't know if we're going to be able to get a hold of dad when he's on strike team, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Sometimes they don't have reception. Sometimes they can't do a FaceTime call. They're busy. The times of day don't match up. He might be available when my kid's at daycare. So if I could kind of foresee that and predict it, Let's have some things in store that I can grab a hold of in case I need it. If there's a really hard moment, we're going to read a book with daddy, you know, before bed, basically it's like watching a video of him or maybe daddy records it. And we listen to it. If we don't want them to have screen time right before bed, uh, maybe it's a favorite song. 
And I'll just say, not every parent is going to want to sit and video themselves reading a book. Okay. I got that. Uh, can you record them reading tomorrow night's book? You know, like, mm -hmm. so at least they can see like a time right where we had this moment and they can still connect to it. So, um, Another thought around that technology is like, maybe there's a birthday in the summertime that happens or some sort of special occasion that it's like, man, they might miss, they might miss, you, you know, their five-year-old birthday this year. Well, can parent record a preemptive happy birthday message just in case you can't get a hold of them that day? And that's going to mean a lot to that kid that uh, it's my birthday and I haven't spoken to them, you know, like, it's like, oh, we have a video, you know, they sent us or whatever, like you can think through some of what may happen in the next couple of months and try and prepare for it now while you have them home and available so that you can pull it out. If that's, you need it. that's incredibly genius. I have never thought of that. Actually. I love this. We just had this conversation the other day because I have two, two kids have summer birthdays. I mean, basically all three of my kids have birthdays during the hottest months of the year, of course. Oh, great. That means you gave birth during those times. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I did. I was a miserable, miserable pregnant person, but we won't talk about that on the show, <laughs> but we just talked about this. We had planned, we made plans for my youngest birthday. And I told my husband, you know, even if you're gone, we're still going. And he was like, yeah, okay. Okay. So, you know, but now I'm thinking, all right, well, here's what I'm going to do in case is gone or working or whatever. Yeah. Um, this is genius. So I'm totally something, using this and something special, right. That, you mm -hmm. know, that your daughter will appreciate and feel really good about, even though he's not there. Right. It's a way that we can connect to our parent without them physically being here. That's technology. Like let's use it, you know? Yeah. And it applies to, I mean, I would still appreciate, I'd, you know, I send my dad videos all the time of the kids and of me. So I would still appreciate it even, you know, at 41, I would love yeah, it. So absolutely. That's okay. a, that's a great one to, to keep in, in the back pocket there. I'm going to, I'm going to I'm glad making videos. I love another, this. another thought is like, you know, video diaries, even sometimes like, uh, some kids like say there's I don't know, they had a baseball game and they got their first hit and it's like this special moment, right? And they can't share it with their parent. Well, you can video them talking about it. Like, okay, we don't have, we don't know when he's going to get it or whatever, but tell them the story, right? So that, because what I experienced is like, you'll have something that's like, oh, I can't wait to tell them this. And then two weeks goes by and you're like, I've forgotten mostly everything yep. that's happened except yep. for like yesterday. <laughs> so like a way to track, it could be video or it could be like a, a journal, right? Like maybe each day you write a high and a low, what happened this day? So that when they come home, the, the kids don't feel like the parent has missed out on two weeks of their life, but they got to actually update them on the highs and the lows and it'll remind them, oh, and then this happened. And let me tell you about this story, you know, um, you could be sending it to them or you could just hold on to it as a way that when they come home, you have a fam family time and we talk about all the things that happen, you know, over the last couple of weeks or the month. Yeah, that's, that's great. We do. We do second suite every night at dinner. We haven't done it in a while. Actually COVID kind of messed that up, but mm. prior to, so we, it's like, you know, the pit and the peak it's which what's the best, what's the worst kind of thing. And um, yeah. that's it. That's a great one. I actually, now that you think, now that I think about it, I might have my husband start asking them that on their night calls when he's not we, home. Yeah. We, Perfect. Um, so when we can't, or 
my husband's not out in the field right now, but when we couldn't talk to him when he was in the field, we had a box and it was called daddy grams and the kids would write him notes every day and put them into the box. And so when he got home, he would be take all of his notes out of the box and be able to read all the things that the, the kids had wanted to say to him while they couldn't say it to him. I while love he was it. Gone. Um, that's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. So we did that. And then, um, now like if there's a sporting event or there's a birthday or something and he can't be here, we just live stream it, um, when he can, that's cool and see it so technology is definitely our friend in this yes. regard um yes. Yes. <laughs> I can't even imagine what we did without FaceTime before so absolutely um the, another thought is just like how much how many boundaries you're going to have around this is for spouses as well boundaries around social media news information on fires right and and I think this is different for everyone there's not a straight set like a perfect set of boundaries for kids I think it needs to be pretty minimal right because uh, younger kids aren't really sure how to process that information of course um, that equals like the talk around it right sometimes family will come over to visit and then they're talking to you about oh so have you heard from him have you you know all it's like like young kids are always listening, even if they're, they're playing with their toys over there in the other room, like they're listening. So being really careful and setting some boundaries with people who are coming over, uh, if you need to, but for yourself, obviously knowing how it affects you, if it increases your anxiety, probably a good idea to set some really firm boundaries around the information. If it decreases it, like actually it feels like control when I know what's going on. Okay. That's different. So it's kind of like knowing yourself around that, but that is a lot of like modeling for our kids. So like how Audrey, you're kind of saying your kids are checking in with you, right? It's like how we manage things kind of trickles down to our little ones, right? It's like, they're looking at us before they have their own, you know, teenagers are kind of taking on their own view of the world. But before they have that, when they're younger, they're really looking at us to define situations, right? They're going, is this scary or is it okay? Is it like they're looking? And so when they're looking at me, like I have to be really good at kind of managing what is going on, being, having my own support, right. Making sure that I'm taking care of so that they can go, oh, okay, we're good. We're good. Like mom's good. We're good. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that you hit the nail on the head for me. It's like all, all social media, all radio traffic, everything stops. Like we turn it completely off. Kids know, like, not to go onto new sites during fire season. They're, they they don't do it. Um, even if something comes over the radio, I turn the radio off in the car. Like it's just, we don't need that in yeah. our lives right now. We have yeah. enough with just having to worry about the fact that dad's out there to begin with. Yep. So we don't need the news telling us how to feel, you know, yep. <laughs> it's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, so that's our, our, we set really firm boundaries around it because we need to. Um, that's great. And how, uh, when did you discover that? Because your kids are older. So when did you, Oh, I've never, out? I've never been one to want to sit and listen to the scanner or anything. So mm-hmm. right off the bat, like immediately, um, yeah. our kids have never listened to a scanner, like mm-hmm. she's not going to do it. And I know there's a lot of people that do it and it makes them feel better. But for me, no, <laughs> it'll just yeah. raise my anxiety level to a point where it's unmanageable. Yeah, so me too. <laughs> yeah, my, I'm the total. I'm not going to say I'm the total opposite, but I catch myself every once in a while listening to the scanner. And actually, my kids, all well, the two oldest have Pulse Point on their phones. So occasionally, when like something comes up, they'll be like, "Ah, eh, eh," like, <laughs> "Oh," but 
I think like, I want to know what fire he's going to, but I don't want to know what's going on on the fire that he's on. Oh yeah, they. I mean, rarely that, they never kind of listen to to the traffic. Yeah. They actually listen to the local traffic because he doesn't work in our city, so they they listen to occasionally. I mean, it's we live in the suburbs, so occasionally when there's something. I hate to say the word exciting happening. They want to listen mm-hmm. and see like, Oh, where mm-hmm. is that? Oh, mm-hmm. do you see smoke from the backyard? And it's like, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's their way of kind of like connecting with their dad. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. talk, they talk to him about it. And our kids are like the polar opposite of that. Like they're mm-hmm. like, there's smoke outside. I don't want to know about it. Like my kids don't even want to go to school during times when there's smoke because they yeah. don't want to answer their, their peers questions. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then the last two years, especially with all the smoke in the Valley, the kids have become definitely more anxious about it. And mm-hmm. it's been interesting the last couple of years for sure during fire season, because they, I hate to, you know, say the word fearful, but they, they definitely, you can, you can feel their anxiety mm-hmm. as soon as that smoke layer comes in mm-hmm. and they talk about it all the time. Like we this is our, our new thing is, okay, do we have air filters this summer? Mm. Do we have, you know, masks? Do we have this? Like, what are we going to do if, you know, we have to evacuate for some reason? Um, Cause like last year, I think the fire got pretty close. Well, it got to Livermore, which was the closest it's ever gotten to us. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time we had ever really talked about packing a to-go bag and all of that yeah. stuff. And so yeah. we're really- we're really lucky we haven't had fires close enough to us to have to pack a, a, a go bag um but they've been right in our backyard like literally mm-hmm. an hour away in redwood valley mm-hmm. we know people um so the fires that happened there a few years ago really had an impact on my kids mm-hmm. um yeah. and there's some i think some residual trauma from from that particular fire cameron ended up um, not being able to get a hold of us for like mm-hmm. three days and we didn't know where he was going to work. So we didn't mm-hmm. know if he had gotten there safely. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the kids are like, I don't, I don't want to know anything about anything going on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. just have our summer and yeah. not even think about it. <laughs> totally. And I get it. I get it. And that's like part of the other preparation. Like if you live in areas, which some people do who had to evacuate last year, it's like, you're doing both. You're prepping for your, you know, spouse or parent to go out. And then at the same time, you're also thinking and prepping about like, what if we have to evacuate? And a lot of families are going through that in California. And so that might be part of the prep conversation, like worries around that or preparation around that. How do we get ourselves prepared so that we're, we can kind of let go of it until we need to know or do something and we're ready for that you know just preparing yourself for um you know doing better than last year that's all we can do right like yeah no better do better right yeah and you're you're both kind of talking about uh you said connect to their you know parent in knowing about the work but one of my tips is like connecting to the work because right first responder kids like it's really hard because we all sacrifice for this career Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, on payroll and <laughs> the kids aren't on payroll, but we're all sacrificed. And so it's like, you know, the first responder has gotten into this for a reason, right? They, they're like, the sacrifice is worth it. I want to help people. I want to help a greater cause, something bigger than me. Well, if I'm not connected to that, or my kids aren't connected to that, 
you know, things are going to be really hard and challenging for no good reason. Right. So it's like connecting them to that. Like what is helping here? Why is our parent being called upon? What is going on? So not like, let's watch the news about it, but like, you could talk about that. Like, you know, California has fires. We live here, you know, it gets hot. You can't explain. And our parents going to be called upon, like, this is part of what they do. And we're so glad they do because there are homes that are saved because of that. They're like trying to help them understand that greater purpose at a younger age, because it's not just like my parent has chosen not to be here on my birthday, right? which some kids can interpret it that way if they don't understand why they're gone or why they're missing their baseball games and why they're so like trying to help them connect to that purpose. And for, it sounds like for older kids, sometimes it's actually connecting to the work, like through a radio to hear, oh, there's an emergency. And that's something that my parent might help out on, you know, that's great connection to the greater purpose. And it helps them like process that information, why their parents choosing this. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Okay. Okay. I think too, like for us, or at least for my kids, it's really important that they know who dad's working with and that those people have his back. And so in addition to connecting with the purpose it's important to connect with the people. Beautiful. And so like, yep. we make sure that to do, like if he's in a new, at a new station this summer, we're going to go to that station and like introduce ourselves to whoever he's working with and have a moment to like hang out with them. Um, yeah. And really like, they want to see the equipment that he's working on. They want to, you know, so for yeah. us and our kids specifically, like that's really important that they know who he's working with, that they have a relationship on some level. It doesn't have to be like, we're best buds and that's uncle Joe, but it needs to be, Oh, I remember dad's going to be out on a strike team with this person. Like, okay. I know who that is. They've got his back. Like I know that they're rock solid people or whatever. It gives them a sense of safety and control. Cause it's like, I kind of know something about that you know, versus like, it's just this unknown question mark. And you, you know, Chelsea, you're hitting, you know, something really important is being connected even to other fire families, right. Is so important. We know this as a spouse, like how it feels. Right. And some spouses aren't connected, but I know we are right. And so, so you you go, Oh, they get it. Well, our kids feel the same way. And that was actually the number one thing that came out of my research. When I interviewed children of like uh, adult children of law enforcement families, the greatest thing that helped them manage that life was like knowing other families go through the same thing because they, it feels so isolating. Like maybe I'm the only kid, excuse me, maybe I'm the only kid in my class that's going through this, but there are other families going through it. Right. So if you can make sure that they are exposed to other families just are this kids, you know, we're, we get together when they're both gone. Right. Or, you know, they're, parents gone, just like our parents is gone sometimes. So we're going to go bring them dinner or we're, you know, it's just that sense that like, I'm not the only one Mm -hmm. and that's important. So, you know, and spouses need it too. So if you can get together for play dates or, and then kind of talk about, Oh, his daddy's a firefighter too. Like tell him about your, right. So that they get that sense like, Oh, okay. Like I'm not the only one whose parent is away right now. Right. I think one of the most powerful things for our kids, we went to a family debriefing, um, after the Sonoma fires, And they got to be in a room with a bunch of other kids who had experienced the same thing over that summer with their parents out in the field as they did. And they said, wow, mom, that was like the best thing that has ever happened to me. Like, that's the best thing you ever did for us. It was to make us go to that Mm 
mm-hmm. debriefing. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course they were kicking and screaming the whole way. I don't want to go spend a bunch of time with a bunch of people. I don't know. And talk about my feelings like no way, but they didn't even talk about their feelings, but they were around other kids who had yeah. the same ones, even though they didn't necessarily have like a sit down therapy session. Mm-hmm. It was just being in a room with people that totally understood what they were going through. Yep. And yeah. I, it was so powerful. Like I can't even, I can't even describe it because it, it just, it was the best thing we've ever done. Like, that's so great to hear. I love it. Yeah. And, and it makes sense, right? This is the, the theory that support groups are based on, right? It's the fact that we've all gone through the same thing that somehow that is supportive to us and allows us to manage more of it. And that's same thing with spouses, right? You feel really isolated. It feels really hard. You're like, I can't do this. As soon as you talk to other spouses and you're like, oh, this is normal. It's like, yeah, that's our life too. Suddenly you have a greater capacity to manage it, right? It's like, that is what, how we build like more resilience in us and our kids. Uh, you know, the firefighters, they're all connected. They all got, they're all doing it together. So that's kind of built in. We have to kind of go out and seek it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for restrictions to loosen up a little bit at the fire station so we can actually go back. Ours just did. Uh, we haven't yet. So <laughs> it's, it's like on, we just got one was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We need to plan something. It's been so long. Yeah. It's so weird. It's such like, it, it was such a normal thing for us. And then we haven't been able to be at the station or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. It's, it's just like, it's something missing. And I think the kids miss it, even though they don't say anything, but I think yeah. they do. <laughs> it's totally something missing. Like if, if they're spending a holiday there, a birthday there, and then it's like, usually we can go visit and make that mm-hmm. part of our tradition. And then that was just like taken from us this year. It's like, yep. nope, now you're just home alone without them. It's like, oh, okay. That's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to switch it up. Yeah. Uh, we're going to put you on the hot seat because you've been awesome and given us tons of tips and information. Um, mm-hmm. So we're going to ask you some questions now. Are you ready? Okay. Hot seat, super fun, easy questions. First thing that comes to mind, ready? If you could live anywhere, where would it be? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> I've, I've literally never thought of that. And I, my face reaction was the first thing that popped in my, to my head was Hawaii. And then I like scared myself like, why would I want to live in Hawaii? Like, <laughs> like I was like reacting to my own response, but that is what came to mind. So I don't know, maybe you'll find me there in retirement. Oh, Hey, uh, I'll <laughs> gladly join you. Okay. <laughs> that sounds lovely. Um, what's your favorite book to read? Oh my gosh. This is dorky because my favorite books are always, uh, like self-help research. Like there's so, but my husband makes fun of me. He's like, gosh, can't you just do something that's like fun? And I'm like, I don't know, like learning and absorbing <laughs> new information is fun to me. So that's any of those. That's where it's it. at. Okay. What would you change about yourself? What's well, one thing you would change about yourself if you could. Can I change the amount of time I have, I want more of it right now. Everything is like pressed to the minute and I just want more space and hopefully that will come as my kids get older, but it's not yes. there right now. It will come. I promise. Okay, Thank you. <laughs> it just takes a while. And then it's a different kind of space. I don't know. It's, it's very I'm really, strange. I'm really hoping that like when you live the fire wife life, 
at this point in it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is unmanageable. This is crazy. That How are we ever going to manage? But I'm really hoping that we get to a point where you're like, oh yeah, okay, this is doable. Yeah. I think I remember being in that space when I, I mean, I had three kids under five. Oh my gosh. It was insane. Yeah. And then I don't know. All of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, I did that. Okay. Good job. Me. It's behind me now. (laughs) (laughs) You'll get there. I I think we get to the end of, we get to the end of every fire season and I'm like, how how did we manage all of that? Like, I think it's just, you get through it. You don't, you don't even think about it at some point. Like it just starts becoming the thing that you do. And then at the end of it, when winter rolls around and it's raining outside, you're like, yeah, I did all that. Yeah. Oh, trust me. You think about it. You think about it when it's happening. Like, oh my gosh, I don't, I can't do this. I'm going to explode. And then the next day comes and you're like, all right, I I didn't explode. I'm okay. And you're giving that Snoop Dogg speech to yourself. I want to thank thank me. me. Okay. (laughs) That's right. That is correct. Okay. Okay. What motivates you to work hard? What motivates me to work hard? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. My, like my mission to help first responder families thrive. Like I would not be able to be sleepless because I'm feeding in the middle of the night and have no, and, and still show up with like all this like energy and excitement. If I was not so passionate about my mission, like, and just feeling so good about helping first responder families because they deserve it because of how much they sacrifice. I love that. That is a brilliant Mm -hmm. answer. Okay. Last question. What's your favorite thing about your career? I think you just answered it. Yeah, but really it's, um, there's, there's a moment. So like, I, you know, I have a private practice. I work, I do couples therapy for first responders, you know, couples, I do, um, individual and there is a moment in couples therapy that I will, that I talk about that. It's like, you know, you're helping out. And then there's this moment where they're just like, oh my gosh, this is, and, and something just clicks and it, and they feel so, happy about where they're at in their marriage. And that is like, there's a feeling that comes from that, that I just like bottle up and take home because it feels so good. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh my gosh. It's cool. I tell my husband, I was like, there's just this small and it happens and it clicks. I just, it's why I do it. It's like the most incredible feeling. That's it. Oh, that's like, that's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So that I think wraps up the hot seat. Cool. So we want to thank you so much for being with us today, Rochelle. This has been inspiring and amazing. And I think our listeners are going to love this episode. Great. Um, I loved it. Thanks. Thanks. Can I tell them how how to find me if they we're we're actually going to do about to that for you right now. Okay. (laughs) If you'd like to follow Rochelle and learn more about how to help your kids and families thrive, you can follow her on Instagram at this is a big one. First responder family psychology. That's the at symbol first responder family psychology, and then you can listen to her over on her podcast Code Three Families. And she's also got a website, firstrespondersfamilypsychology.com. Did I miss anything? No, I think that's it. I have a lot of free content, uh, blog, videos on my social media. I try to make things really accessible to families so that they have the information at their fingertips. And if they're a 
I can see anyone in California. And um, now that we have virtual therapy, uh, it really can see anybody. So if they're looking for a therapist who specializes in first responder families, marriage counseling, individual parent consultation, teens, uh, you can reach out to me. Awesome. This is Chelsea and Audra. Oh, out. Thanks so much for tuning in. Find us on social media at Dear Chiefs Podcast and online at DearChiefs.com. Tune in weekly for the 25,000 foot view of loving a first responder. Audra and Chelsea, over and out. (laughs) 